Hi, everybody. This is John Montoya. And this is John Parings. We're authorized infinite banking practitioners and hosts of the fifth edition. Today's episode number 19, what is our biggest financial problem? And that is that people give up control of their money and they give by doing that, they give up control of the banking function in their own life. So they become cash poor because they think cash has no value. But the reality is we have a lifetime need for access to capital. And the best way to access capital is on our own terms, right? And so you've said this so many times on our podcast, money must reside somewhere, right? Does it reside somewhere that we control and that we get the benefits or does it reside in someone else's financial system where they benefit, they make the rules, they make the profit off of the use of that capital. And so access to capital is a, is a hugely important piece of our financial life that most people just completely skip right over. 100%. And it's a pervasive problem because we're not taught at really any level or age to control our own money. From the time that we are brought up and told we have to do this or that with our money, It's always an outsourcing of the money that we earn to someone else. And you have to realize that the current financial system is created to profit from this outsourcing of our own money. And what happens is we lose all control over our financial lives because we've outsourced our money to third parties. The best example I can give is a recent conversation I had with a dentist and I asked him, within your own practice, how did you pay for all your equipment? And he said, I'm the banker's best friend. And he joked about it (laughs) because he didn't know of any other way. How do you finance everything in your practice? Something that I think most everyone can, can resonate with, they have to go to a bank because they don't have access to their own capital pretty crazy when you think about it and not belittling those decisions because that's that's what we know so far right but when you give up control you also give up use and so it's like who's getting the benefit of the use of the capital that you're using so you get some benefit by using other people's capital but those people that are letting you use their capital they're also getting some benefit couldn't we be on both sides of that transaction and benefiting from both sides of the use of that capital. And so, you know, I, I get on these internet forums like real estate investing all the time and people, they brag about having these big solo 401k or IRA accounts, you know, where they're making whatever rate of return they think they're getting. Meanwhile, they have locked away the use of that money, especially these young real estate guys. They've locked away the use of that money for 30 years. It's such an important component that again, is just completely skipped over by most people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because the public is basically told to buy the cheapest term insurance they can get Mm -hmm. and go chase rate of return. Think about the position this puts you in. You're missing the bigger picture. I mean, think about how much you make in your lifetime that just goes through a banking system that you don't own, control, and therefore will never profit from. This is the system that's set up to take advantage of every single person out there until we actually figure it out and do something about it. Yeah. And they're taking advantage of the fact that people do not know how to strategically accumulate capital. And, you know, you you said something that I think is important and I'm going to, I'm going to restate it a different way. You, You mentioned accumulation and that's the strategy that most people follow where they they do take that 10% of their money that is coming into their hands and they try to they try to grow and accumulate that as much as possible you know looking at total wealth so to speak when 
really what's more important is the movement of that money through their lives and how many jobs can each dollar do and how much income can they create that becomes much more important than just trying to grow a big account. Because as one of my uh, mentors in this business, Trent Fortner says, what's the value of a dollar you cannot use? <laughs> the answer is, is zero. If you can't use it, it's nothing. And so meanwhile, people are locking their money away. They lock away control. They lock away use. They lock away certainty of outcome. They lock it away in the form of their house where the money is in the bricks and mortar and, and walls and studs of their house. But they can't get to it unless they sell the house or unless they go to a bank and get permission to borrow money against the equity of their house permission is the qualifying term there. I think that what you just said about accumulation versus cash flow is a huge thing that we help people with and help them understand. Let's help them further by addressing the answer to this problem that pretty much every household in America has. They're not taught how to create and control their banking function. So what can they do to alleviate this problem, to put them on the path so that they can take back control? Well, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is finding a place to keep your cash. And not only having a place to keep cash, but having a place where you can actually use that cash without ever interrupting the compounding process during your lifetime. That's one of the strategies that we use with whole life insurance. But the other piece of that strategy is the whole life insurance guaranteed death benefit where we're essentially replacing the value of all of their other assets so that their future generations never have the lost opportunity cost that other people have because they're not taught how to transfer that wealth to the next generation. The way we do it, of course, is through infinite banking. And I think what's really interesting about the vehicle of choice that we choose, which is a dividend paying whole life insurance policy, is the fact that believe it or not, and you don't have to take my word for it because you, all you have to do is go to, what's the website? Infinitebanking.org? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I would say for most people, this has even more clout. It's FDIC.gov. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, because people park money in the bank. First and foremost, they get that paycheck, direct deposit, go sits in a checking account. Well, where do banks park their tier one assets? A majority of their tier one assets goes into cash value life insurance. That's right. If you look at how banks make money, they use your money to make a profit and somewhere around 25 cents to every dollar of that profit that they earn on your money goes towards buying cash value life insurance, just like you said. If you have major banks deciding to park a good portion, and I'm talking in the billions right. of their assets in cash value life insurance, don't you think it makes sense to at least investigate why they're doing this? Furthermore, if they're doing it, why you shouldn't be considering doing the exact same thing for your own personal financial situation. Absolutely. And it's funny to see when you see the objections to, to whole life insurance, they always follow like the ends of the spectrum. They, they'll say, well, life insurance is a bad investment. It's a horrible place to put your money, this, that, and the other thing. And then when you show them that the biggest money makers in the world, the banks, buy boatloads of it. Then they try to say, well, that's because they're these big institutions and we're not a big institution. What they don't understand is it's about a process. If you understand the process, it doesn't really matter that the product is life insurance. Life insurance just happens to have a whole lot of features that make this such a usable solution to do exactly what the banks do. It's absolutely something that can be at least looked at. 
you know, most people won't even look at it. And it, I think it's a shame because they're really just checking something off that could really add a lot of value to their financial lives. Yeah. And I think the reason why they don't look at it or maybe shun it at first glance is because they're identifying a product right. without realizing what the solution is or what pain points they have. The solution of IBC can solve for them. I think you and I would say that the insurance industry itself isn't blameless in why people might think that, you know, at first blush. But it's pretty crazy that I think either one of us could walk somebody through a half hour discussion and really it becomes pretty obvious that a lot of their preconceived notions, they just didn't understand it and they didn't look into it yet. And it becomes pretty clear that there are a lot of benefits to be to be had by understanding how the process works and understanding how this particular financial product works. I do want to point out one of the reasons why I brought up the banks and their role and how they utilize cash value life insurance. A large part of it, it's for the formation of capital. Right. What does Nelson teach in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker? It's that we have to create an entity in order to house or warehouse our wealth. That involves the formation of capital. And in our previous episode, episode number 18, we walked through every single criteria that you should be looking for, for the formation of your capital. And so why do banks park so much money in, into these policies? It's because it makes the most sense. Our listeners could go back to that episode 18 and listen to you know what makes up the perfect investment. And whole life insurance really does check every single box. And the only argument that people have against it is they think it doesn't earn a high enough rate of return. But if they look at it simply as where they store their cash, the argument doesn't even make sense. I mean, you're talking like 40X what you can earn at a big bank on where you can store your cash with the same liquidity and the same guarantees, probably even better guarantees. I think it's awesome that we did that episode about the perfect investment because I think it does shift people's mindset where they start to say, oh, wow, you know, I'm giving up a lot of stuff in the hopes of earning a high rate of return, quote unquote. I'm giving up control. I'm giving up use. I'm giving up certainty. I'm giving up collateral and I'm giving up the movement of money because I don't have the use of it where I'm giving up opportunities that will definitely come our way over the course of our lives. I mean, how many opportunities have come our way that we weren't able to take advantage of because we didn't have the cash? You know, I come from the tech industry. Almost every single person I know in the tech industry, when we came into the position of having some stock options that we could take advantage of, everyone I know performed a cashless exercise where they had to liquidate some of their shares that they just took a huge risk for, in order to just exercise their stock options and pay the tax. What if they had the cash to do it and they didn't have to give up the compound growth on that cash? It's so many different things we can look at that if we have cash, we can come out so much further ahead. And, and it's a lot ahead, like hundreds of thousands of dollars or more ahead. So it's not just, it's not chump change. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I think it really speaks to what I alluded to. And I want you to go into it a little bit. But again, it's that 10% that people save and focus on. Mm, yeah. And they completely forget the other 90%. Do the listeners a big favor and talk about that because I, I think you nail it each time you talk about this. If you look at the tiers of capital, you know, the first tier is the one where we have all the liquidity, all the control, all the guarantees, all the use. And, and then you go up to the, you know, the riskiest tier and you have, you know, no guarantees, no control, very little use, um, no collateral. 
you take all the risk. And what everyone does in their life is they get a paycheck and they automatically have money siphoned off that could have gone to that first tier with all the guarantees and control and immediately goes all the way to the top tier, skipping all the tiers in between that have different levels of control use and collateral. And they, they take 10%, maybe 15 at the highest, 20 is you know just if we just average everything out. A lot of times people aren't doing anything, but they, they take that 10% and immediately goes into something where they try to earn a high rate of return. Meanwhile, there's, there's no guarantee that there'll be any money at all in that account by the time they get to retirement. So they're, they're worried about getting that high rate of return on that 10% of their money. Meanwhile, what about the other 90%? What's going on with that? You know, if you add up, if you add it all up, about 50 to 60% of our income goes towards paying taxes and goes towards servicing debt, meaning paying interest on debt. And so what about that money? What about that 50 or 60% that's just going towards paying interest and paying taxes? You know, what if we could just save that? If we could just peel off a percentage of that, that would be absolutely huge compared to trying to get this volatile rate of return with this 10% of your money. I love that saying, can't see the forest for the trees. Right. I think that definitely applies to uh, what we're trying to share today. Because yeah. what, what do people focus on? It's the trees right in front of them and they can't see the forest. Right. It's, it's this small amount of money we're trying to grow into this beautiful nest egg and we don't realize that we could be creating wealth with the money that we're sending out the window every single month. And we don't even consider it as part of our wealth building process. It's basically just accepted that that money is an expense. It's gone. And we have to work a little bit harder to save for the next month and then hope and pray that our investment choices that we make turn out in the end. And it's a huge financial problem that just about every American has simply because they're conditioned to think this way about their money. That's it right there. These are unnecessary but guaranteed losses that we're experiencing in our financial life. If I can, I'll just say, hey, if you want to learn how this works and you want to learn how to stop these unnecessary yet guaranteed losses, schedule a 30-minute meeting with us. Go to our website at thefifthedition.com. Find our online calendar there and book an appointment with us right there. All right, well, I think that wraps up our episode for today. What is our biggest financial problem?